0: Right, creatures of the Night. Welcome to episode 105 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined as always by my tag team partner in this journey, my wrestling buddy, my fellow Creature of the Night, the cryogenically frozen man himself, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, I feel like it's only appropriate for me as we're covering The Undertaker versus Heidenreich from Survivor Series 2004. I feel like it's only appropriate if you'll indulge me to start off this episode with a poem. Oh, sure. Okay. <clears throat> Looking back now, it appears to me that The Undertaker in 2004 is cursed. Concrete crips and voodoo bags, and now Heidenreich, oh, he is the worst. (laughs) I'm really, really sorry we must cover this match. It pains me deep in my soul. The only thing we can do is to tear it apart, just like Heidenreich tore apart Michael Cole. Thank you,
1: thank you. Fantastic. Oh, man, I'm glad you said Cole. I thought you were going to say something else.
0: <laughs> Use your imagination.
1: <laughs> oh, 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 man. Yeah. That was great, man. That's fantastic.
0: You know, I feel like it was only appropriate here as we talk about the Poet Laureate of the World Wrestling Entertainment, oh, Mr. Yeah. John Heidenreich.
1: His name might as well have been, yeah, like Edgar Allan Heidenreich. <laughs>
0: would have loved that so much more. we would have been way more over with
1: me. Henry Wadsworth <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, but alas. Oh, sorry. Unfortunately, that's not how it goes. And Ralph Waldo Heidenreich. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> man, we have to talk about Heidenreich here in depth. One of two times we get to do that on this podcast. Two times. Two times. <laughs> exactly. But we're talking about Survivor Series two thousand and four, one of the Undertaker's darkest eras right here. I really do feel like two thousand four might be might be one of the darkest periods yeah. in Undertaker's time. Aside from him coming back, it has been
1: a bottom of the barrel scrape year. <laughs> Seriously.
0: I mean, it's been so bad that it's turned us into JBL fans. Like that's how bad <laughs> two thousand four has been. <laughs> We're trying to find the silver lining, and the silver lining is JBS.
1: You know something's bad. Oh,
0: but man. we're going to do our best. We're going to do what we do here on this podcast. We're going to re-examine things yeah. here with 15 years of perspective, see if there's anything we're missing with Heidenreich, see if there's another angle to it, see if there's anything positive about it. Uh, spoiler alert, there's not, but uh, we're, <laughs> we'll do our best here as we take our time travel on hearse here to this next chapter in The Undertaker's career. And head on back to October 7th, 2004. This will be the SmackDown post-No Mercy 2004. And uh, just to give you the quick recap of things, you can go back and listen to last week's episode, but JBL defeated The Undertaker in the last ride match after Heidenreich popped out of the hearse and interfered in that match. In his wrestling gear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he... Uh, did what he does in his wrestling gear. He drove a Bronco straight into a hearse that uh, <laughs> that The Undertaker was in and uh, did what Broncos do when they hit hearses, Travis. It uh, exploded <laughs> into flames and fireworks. <laughs> uh,
1: and then he and Paul Hammond got out a dodge. So, like a good little heel.
0: They did. And, uh... <laughs> One thing, they keep showing the video recaps of this on all these SmackDowns, and we didn't mention it last week, but my favorite part of all this is that Paul Heyman is driving the hearse, and when he opens the door on the hearse, he's got the little chauffeur's hat on his head. He he (laughs) fully committed to that character of being (laughs) the hearse driver. (laughs) yeah. That's why the full taker is back. (laughs) That's why Paul Heyman is so great.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I forgot about that. That is amazing.
0: But uh, anyway. Details. I, uh, I have two very oddly specific memories of this episode of SmackDown, Travis, yeah. that jumped out to me as I was watching it. That don't really have anything to do with Undertaker, but this happens to be the episode of SmackDown where Carlito debuts on SmackDown. He came in with a bang. He's been having all these vignettes for the past few weeks and ends up winning the United States Championship on his first night of SmackDown. And for some reason, I was, like, really excited to see Carlito <laughs> I don't remember your affinity for Carlito being so high. You know, I read about him online, and they—I mean, WWE was all into him, so I definitely wanted to see him. And listeners of the show will remember that I didn't have cable during this period of time, and so you used to tape the shows for me. But uh, I guess you weren't able to, or or something. I didn't know if I was going to see you that week, so I actually remember asking my mom to record this episode of SmackDown. On the VCR in her classroom at school, because they actually had cable in the classrooms, in her her second grade classroom, so she was able to go do that for me, and that's how I got the tape of this episode of SmackDown, and I I don't know why I specifically remember that.
1: That's hilarious. That would have meant she would have had to set it while she was at school. She's not at school from eight to ten. Right? P.m. No, she had to set the so timer. She set it at home. That's oh yeah, aw- I mean, set it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Once again, your mom comes to the rescue, saving
0: the day. <laughs> Star of this podcast, episode yeah. one hundred. <laughs> but uh, another weird memory you might remember this one a little bit more was the WWE fantasy game that they had during this time, and it was oh yeah, sort of like. I mean, it was their fantasy football uh, equivalent that WWE had briefly. I don't know why they don't have it anymore, because I had a blast playing it. Um, I think we were actually co-captains of this fantasy team, because you had to buy into it the first time, yeah, something like that, but I I remember this week specifically, if you don't remember this, folks, you would get points based on stuff the wrestlers would do during each episode, or or SmackDown, or Raw, or Pay-Per-View, they would get... Like three points for an appearance on the show, five points for being in a match, seven points for winning a match. Uh, you get a certain amount of points for doing your finisher, uh, for being in a gimmick match, for winning a title, etc., etc., etc. And uh, you were just matched up with everyone around the around the world playing WWE Fantasy. So they would have like a top ten at the end of the season. You would win prizes, but I remember. Taking a flyer on Carlito that week because you had to set your lineups before Raw or SmackDown, you know, were taped. Yeah. Obviously, SmackDown was taped, so you couldn't read the spoilers or anything. <laughs> but I was like, "Oh yeah, Carlito's debuting, and he was real cheap because uh, you you had to pay a certain amount of dollars to pick. You had like a hundred dollars to make your roster for that week or whatever, and like, yeah. you know, Triple H would be like twenty five dollars, but Charlie Haas would be like a dollar or something like that, You yeah. get a bunch of those guys. Uh, and Carlito was like 3 or $4 because he was just debuting. But he like got 70 points that week because he was <laughs> like, in a debut. bunch of segments. Yeah. He won a title, had a match, did his finisher. <laughs> and there's just so much value for his points <laughs> that week. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got like so many points on Fantasy that week. Uh, oh. And I just remember that uh, I think we got into like the top 50 of points. We never got in the top 10, but we got – uh, that first season, we got pretty close to to being in there. Um, I mean, then, as more and more people started playing, that we weren't anywhere close. But I just have yeah. a, I, I loved playing that. I wish I would do that nowadays. Why do they not? I How don't doesn't know. Doesn't make any sense. It's, it's like fantasy, fantasy football
1: is even bigger now than it was in 2004. So why would they not? So I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense? But I do remember that now that you brought it up. So <laughs> that was man, man. Those are some times. Car, who knew Carlito was going to be such a like a. a Cleanup, you know. Clean he, up crew for you. He was our babe. team. So I thought
0: that was the peak of his career in my opinion. But it's all downhill after that. Uh never a big yeah, fan of this man. He made it he made it to Elimination
1: Chamber one time. Final three, I think. Wasn't it him and Chris Masters and like Cena or something? Ugh, yep, that's right. That's bad. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh from bad to worse. We're talking to talk about Heidenreich here. Um the show opens on this episode of SmackDown. i uh, we... spit
1: in his face.
0: <laughs> he was not cool. <laughs> Just, no. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, We get a recap of uh, everything that happened at No Mercy that we already talked about here. and uh, Josh Matthews actually talks to JBL, Massive Tool Josh Matthews, excuse me. And... <laughs> I
1: wasn't sure who you were talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I need to clarify that. Uh, We're not talking J.B. on this episode, but just he does confirm that he had nothing to do with what happened last night with Heidenreich. So uh, just clarify that in that storyline. He's like, I had nothing to do with (laughs) Heidenreich. The way he says it is so
1: ridiculous.
2: About No Mercy, I had no idea that Heidenreich was in the back of that hearse. I had no idea what Heidenreich had planned to do to The Undertaker.
1: I even spelled it differently in my notes. You because, did. Because uh, he says it differently. Heidenreich. <laughs> I wish I was his music. Heiden, Heidenreich. <laughs> um,
0: uh, well, uh, <laughs> Teddy Long is going to confront Paul Heyman later in the night uh, to talk about old Heidenreich and... Uh, <laughs> He tells Heyman that what happened at No Mercy was over the line. He he will never let something like that happen again on his watch. And Heyman is all uh, happy about what happened. He's gloating about things. But Teddy Long fills him in on a little secret. Says, the rescue units had to use the jaws of life on that hearse. (laughs) But when they opened that hearse up, there was no Undertaker inside. Nobody (laughs) home, Teddy Long says. (laughs) Oh, home. just to add that on there, I love that.
1: He says that.
0: Teddy Long is great, man. He's perfect. Uh, and Heyman is perfect here. He's just absolutely shocked at this. and uh, Teddy Long says, you know what, I'm not going to suspend Hayden right over what happened. Even though what he did was bordering on criminal." <laughs> In Attempted what world murder. is that bordering on a criminal? Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is the end of the line. Borderline. Border it's over the line. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh. But uh, he says he's not going to suspend him because he knows that the Undertaker is going to handle his business on his own time. So that's going to be even worse than any suspension he could do. Uh, and Heyman, he, he bows up and says, okay, none of that matters anyway because Heidenreich doesn't fear anything and he's so brave, he's going to go recite some poetry in the ring tonight. <laughs>
1: that makes me want to do Scott Hall fingers at him. <laughs> That's
0: the truest act of heroism right there, is to yeah. go recite some poetry in the ring. and Indeed he does. They uh, they come out together, Heidenreich and Heyman, and Heidenreich's got some pitiful fake bruises and makeup over his body, make it look like he was severely injured in that... <clears throat> car wreck last night that he was definitely uh, not in. A stunt double was in. But anyway, they're trying here, I guess. Sure. Uh, Heyman says, despite the news about The Undertaker, he wants to add some class to the show tonight. And Heidenreich says, The Undertaker better not interrupt me while I'm in the middle of one of my masterpieces tonight. And so he pulls the poem out of his pants like a true... Bard and <laughs> get started on his poem saying it. The time has come
2: for height and right. The time has come for me to. I'll start over. Maybe you didn't understand. I'm angry. I'm telling you, the time has come for Heidenreich. The time has come for me
0: to strike. My time is... De-
2: Boo!
0: Exactly. Crowd starts booing. You suck. They're chanting, "You suck." I guess. Maybe. It, I don't know if they really are. If it's piped in or what. But Heidenreich's getting all frustrated and flustered. He tries a few different times, but keeps struggling, and then. Heinrich takes out his anger, hops out of the ring, runs into the crowd, starts pointing at the fans, telling them to stop, and then assaults a couple of big giant air quote fans (laughs) in the audience for making fun of them as security just kind of watch him for a little while beating up members of the audience (laughs) before they drag him away. And Travis, this was just absolute death on the screen, man. This whole... Eight minutes of this segment just died. It was so painful to watch. Heidenreich is so green, and <clears throat> yeah. like he, they, they're trying to do something like nuanced and subtle with this character, trying to make him like this complicated, complex, psychotic villain, and he cannot pull it off, man.
1: No, there's a certain type of people that can do that, and as we get more into this i want to discuss who that is in today's product but um yeah it's not working and uh you're right man bless his heart he's he's just greener than goose crap man he is out there just dying imagine this was a live audience on raw like thank god it was taped you know oh yeah um
0: and you can tell i don't know if it's this segment but some of the other ones you can tell how much they had to edit some of these oh yeah
1: the cuts and stuff Mm -hmm. like just the editing is so obvious you know so yeah, this is. There's, there's one shiny spot from this, and I won't talk about it when I talk about the next SmackDown, but okay. it's, uh, it, you wouldn't know it. They didn't show it until the next week. So we go into the next week of SmackDown. It's, it's October 14th, and this is a United Kingdom SmackDown. So, of course, we get the unique set and everything up there. Because when you're in the UK, you got to have a uh, telephone booth and a
2: <laughs> double and the, decker.
1: Well, uh, double decker. I don't <laughs> even have all that, but it was definitely a unique set. But, yeah. Now, this part, they they show a clip of a little kid in the audience from last week crying when hiding my punch those fans. So I do like that touch. Now I don't, they didn't show it on the Smackdown you just covered. So I don't know if it was actually legitimately from that, or <laughs> not. Right. <line>, but whatever. <laughs> I do like that. They're adding that into here to show that he is, you know, making little kids cry and he's, you know, got this, uh, fearsome aura about him or supposed to, I, I do appreciate that. Um, I'm trying to find the positive here. <laughs> it's really hard. But um, we see that earlier today, quote-unquote, Teddy uh, Long is chastising Paul Heyman for what Heidenreich did last week. He said that, um, uh, you know, I can't believe that you would allow this, you know. And he said, and Teddy says that first and foremost, he's responsible for the fans here on SmackDown, and he's been called by the board of directors about this. And he says, you know, my job is on the line. So is yours, Heyman, and so is Wright. you know. He said, luckily, no one filed criminal charges But we're going to be sued because of his psychotic behavior. So I I don't know what that means. Like we're going to sue you because you're a psycho, but we're not filing criminal charges. I don't know. So, yeah, (laughs) whatever. They're trying here. But anyway, so uh, Teddy says, you know, you guys are going to go make a public apology tonight in the ring. And so you know, if I might pull another stunt, then God help me. And uh, Heyman's like, well, what if, you know, what if Taker confronts Heidenreich tonight in the ring? And Teddy just starts, you know, laughs to himself. So so instead of, you know, you're, you're afraid what this psycho is going to do, instead of keeping him backstage or locking him up or, I don't know, sending him away for the night, let's just send him right back out to the <laughs> ring.
0: <laughs> where right he where he committed the crime. Exactly.
1: <laughs> right back to the scene of the crime, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I guess you can't get a Double Jeopardy, man. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> That's
0: yeah, not how I that know. works.
1: I, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> Tell you what, he's new on the job, man. He's still learning. Yeah,
1: he's still learning, man. So, And then, Hyden, Rock, and Heyman come out to the ring. And uh, this guy, he's in his wrestling gear again. Every time we see him on our screen, he's in his red knee pads his red boots his red undies and his red mma gloves he was in the back of the hearse when he popped goes the weasel out of there he was in it when he was on there last week beating up a fan he's in there again tonight why is he only in his gear i I legitimately don't know i don't know that i don't know why like it's it's hard for me to suspend my disbelief for this guy anyway But then, when he literally only walks around in his gear, like it's just so stupid. Like having it doesn't even seem real. Like he just seems more fake, you know, because he's just constantly in his gear. Like who comes out for a public apology in your wrestling? Yes,
0: I've never heard that talked about as a Vince thing, but it has to be a Vince thing because, and and it's a huge pet peeve of mine. I'm glad you brought it up because I freaking I can't stand it. I can't stand when somebody doesn't have a match but they come out to do a talking segment in full gear or like when they're managing somebody, like when somebody's tag team partner comes out with them, but they have a singles match, but the partner's also in their, just in their underwear, man. Like it's one thing if your gear is pants or like with a shirt, like if you have gear that kind of looks like clothes, (laughs) that's fine. That doesn't bother me. Or Or Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy's gear is fine. Sure. You know, that's fine. But like, the trunks, the knee pads, the gloves. Yeah, you don't have a match. Why did you go to all the trouble of putting your wrestling gear on? Like, right? It's, exactly. Oh, it's infuriating. Uh, like, just wear jeans. Don't yeah, even no. you don't have to wear a shirt. Just wear jeans, no shirt. Like, do anything but this, or like athletic shorts. Like, right. literally anything besides your gear.
1: Like when the Four Horsemen came out on WWE Saturday Night and did promos, they came out in their six million dollar suits yeah. and gave promos. And if they made a match that night, you know, JJ Summer for a match, then they'd come out in their yeah. trunks. They didn't come out in their trunks and cut promos. They came out, you know, in their outfit. And Triple H would do that on Raw. He would be out in his suit, and Evolution would, and then they'd change. It's just this guy, man. He's like the epitome of. Always in his gear, man. I don't know. It's just so stupid. But
0: Dusty Roads come out in a baseball hat and yeah. shirt with tobacco dip stains <laughs> on on it, man. <laughs>
1: no, No, unless it's like Taker. Taker makes sense because he's right. his is like his gimmick. He like, is, you know, like. Yeah. That would be hey, weird
0: if he didn't come out in his gear.
1: It was well that one time he did. Remember back in '98 or whatever, he yeah. came out in like sweats and cut of shoot promo. Like, that was odd, you know, before he was the biker. So yeah, if it's part of your for like this dude, the boogeyman a, a didn't
0: wrestler. come out in his gear. <laughs>
1: boogeyman <laughs> come out in like pink sweatsuit. <laughs> That'd be
0: great.
1: Oh, anyway, anyway, um. Sorry you get on the tangent there, but no, just, it really right. bothers me, man. This guy's always in his gear, and we're going to see it for the rest of this buildup. So, well, Heyman's going to offer an apology based on his client's reckless behavior last week. He says, you know, these type of actions will never under any circumstances happen again. And then Heidenreich's going to get on the mic, and he says that the people here are getting on his nerves, and the UK fans, you know, are, are they're, they're annoying, and they're, they're booing him and heckling him, I guess. I mean, it's post-production. They could be not, but we're, what, what we hear is them booing, so Heyman gives him a prepared statement and gives him a piece of paper, so Heidenreich says, my name is John Heidenreich. I would appreciate it if you all would accept my humble and sincere apology for my irresponsible and reckless behavior last week. And then, which, again, you can tell this guy didn't write it, that's Vincent Mann, the verbiage on it, so that's Vince's, like, words of the day right there, but Anyway, Heyman's going to apologize again, then Hyden Mike snatches the mic back from Heyman and says, you know,
2: We apologize, and we hope that you enjoy the show this evening. Okay, I apologize for last week, but I don't apologize for what I did to The Undertaker, costing him his shot at the WWE Championship again. I meant to do that. It was
1: done with malice and intent. That is Vince man. <laughs> that is a Vince yeah. yeah, It was done with malice and intent. That is Vince all over it. But anyway, then he says, you know, I'll challenge Taker right here, right now to, to fight. So crowd's chanting, you know, Taker, Taker. And then Heidenreich threatens to hurt a fan if Taker doesn't come out. So he's going around the ringside area hunting for a fan. And Michael Cole, in a bit of continuity, gets up and runs away. You know, he doesn't want to be... Um, Whatever again, we'll leave that to your imagination, but he doesn't want to be uh, taken again. So, anyway, Heyman tries to stop him, but Heidenreich, you know, basically tells him to get out of his way. And then Heyman rolls back in the ring, and Heidenreich gets in the ring and then kind of snaps a little bit and starts backing Heyman into a corner, you know, his handler. And uh, Heyman's like, Oh, what? Like, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And he- Heidenreich has a moment of crisis and begins to punch himself in the head lies down back first on the mat and then throws a hissy fit like he's 2002 christian like (laughs) christian used to the tantrums and stuff
0: that's what it looked like
1: it looked like that and Heyman's trying to talk him down like off a cliff here and and the scene just ends like that man like him throwing this hissy fit beating himself in the head and having this emotional breakdown and I just wrote in my notes, man. That like Heidenreich is the opposite of Paul Heyman. <laughs> like Paul wow. Heyman is good; he's committed, he does things with nuance and full bore. And Heidenreich is the f- complete one hundred and eighty of him. It's so bad; it's not good. It's green. It's there's no nuance, no subtlety. It's just ugh. It's so bad.
0: I can't think of a better way to describe it.
2: Like <laughs> the, polar the opposites. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which oh, I guess is why you would pair Heyman up with him to try to right. see if some of that would rub <laughs> off, but it sadly does not.
1: Yeah, but we don't get the payoff of like him calling Take Her Out, no lights, no gongs, no anything. It's just like he has this emotional breakdown and then it the screen goes away and we come back from commercial. It's just and it just man, it it dies there in front of the crowd again, it like does. you said last week, man. It's just
0: It ooh. doesn't give you a reason to boo him or hate him. It's just like You're sitting there watching it it with just, like, (laughs) squinty eyes, like, okay? I don't know what to feel about this. Like, it's just weird. (laughs) It's just awkward.
1: Yeah, awkward's perfect, yeah.
0: Uh, Well, uh, it goes on. We got a few more weeks to this. SmackDown, October 21st, 2004. And finally, Heidenreich is going to get his first SmackDown match here. Um, I don't know if it's his first ever... I guess he was on Raw previously in 2003. We didn't really talk about this, but he did actually compete for a little while on the Raw brand in 2003 before showing up here on SmackDown, which I kind of blocked out of my mind but um, apparently yeah. it happened. Uh, but Paul Heyman meets up with him backstage and tells him that Tegelung is threatening to cancel the match due to Heidenreich's instability. And you might think Heyman is the unstable one because of his fashion sense tonight. He is he's looking very very two thousand four here with his tan blazer and deep red turtleneck. He looks like he's Joey Tribbiani on an episode of Friends or something. It's like a joy worth all the clothes. It's like, it like. it's like a
1: brown suede, like, faux leather jacket. It's so bad. Like, it's, it's not look. Heyman.
0: It's a look. Well, yeah. Well, Heyman tells Heidenreich that Teddy Long is going to allow him to compete under one condition, and that's that Heidenreich adds something to his look, and that is a straight jacket. There you go. Oh, yeah. This is going to be Hyden new gimmick. And...
2: I don't like it, and I've got to tell you why. If you wear the straight jacket, you're defenseless, which means then you're game for the undertaker. Right. I understand. Listen, I'm going to take this back to Theodore Long. I'll work something out with the lawyers for next week. I'm sorry if I offended you with this. It wasn't my idea. It was Theodore Long's idea. Wait. I'll wear it. I'll wear the straight jacket. Put it on me. Put it on me now! Okay, okay. Do you want to wear it? do this? it. I can't advise you it this. Okay, turn Put around. on. This is. Yeah. Yeah, this feels good. Yeah. Paul? Yes. Yeah. This feels like home. This feels like
0: home. Sweet home. He puts it on him, and Heinrich's saying, oh, it feels good. It it feels like home, like home sweet home. And again, man, he cannot pull this off. Like, I'm... Straight jacket. (laughs) He literally (laughs) can't pull it off. I don't think the straight jacket in itself is a bad idea. Like, a wrestler wearing a straight jacket to the ring and being crazy with it is, is not a terrible gimmick like i'm fine I like with the that gimmick yeah yeah
1: if it's a different person if that's the gimmick if the gimmick is this guy's uncontrollable he has a handler say you gotta when braun Strowman debuted say if that was braun's gimmick you would believe that if braun has to wear a jacket or like a luke harper or even rowan nowadays and i'm not just picking on the Wyatt family but any big bad guy like that you could believe it if that's their gimmick they're like this pit bull that's Unhinged, and they, but then they have to be, you know, chained up, you know, and, and put back by their handler and taken back. I would believe that if that's their character. I don't need that pit bull reciting poetry in the ring. Yes, <laughs>
0: like, I'll take uh, you back another one when Kane first got unmasked, yes. and it was only for a week or two. But he would come out with the orderlies, and he would be chained up and yes. handcuffed as he got led to the ring. I thought that was. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know why they it didn't do that awesome. for longer, but it was he could pull it off, and you yeah. were scared of him and intimidated by him. And like Heidenreich, he just comes out. He's like not even selling the straight jacket. He just no. like comes out and he's making he's kind of making faces, but he's not like wrestling in the straight jacket. He's not like making you scared of him. No. He, sh- he should be like going after people in the audience, like trying right. to get out of the thing, like really being scary. And that's the that's what I'm saying, what you're saying too. Like he just he's he's so green. He he doesn't know to do this stuff, and he just it's so far above him. He can't pull it off.
1: And underneath that straight jacket, he has his freaking just stupid wrestling gear on. Again, <laughs> it's just
0: red tights. If this
1: they're just it's like they have six ideas for what they want him to be, and mm. they put them all together instead mm. of just picking
0: one and going with it. You know?
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's oh. just I, I don't like it.
0: <laughs> well, do you think Shannon Moore could have pulled this gimmick off?
1: Ah, Shannon Morgan can pull anything off. He's great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he is going to be -er. Heidenreich's first (laughs) opponent here, and he attacks Heidi uh, before he can get the straight jacket off. But Heidenreich fights him off, and Cole and Taz are speculating on commentary that Undertaker's just, you know, we haven't seen him in a few weeks because he's biding his time, waiting for that perfect moment to strike. And uh, Heidenreich gets the win off of a black hole slam, boss man slam, whatever you want to call it, after a truly truly abysmal match here. And uh, Heyman wraps up Heidi in his straight jacket after the match, puts it back on him, but he demands a microphone and says, Undertaker, Teddy Long said you would deal with me on your own terms, your time, but it's it's my time tonight. Undertaker, I'm standing here defenseless, but I have to remind you what I did to you. I demand you come out of here and face me Now! 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 Now!
1: It's like I'm talking to John Hyde. <laughs>
2: Do I have to remind you what I did to you? <laughs> I demand you to come out here and face me now. Now! 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 you got to be kidding me. Well, let's yeah. see what... The man is strapped in a straitjacket, and he's demanding the phenom come out here. Oh, bring me, Undertaker.
0: Bring him to
2: me. Okay. Okay.
0: Me. Like I sound like a broken record here, man. But he just cannot pull this off. Like it's not scary. It's not intimidating. It just sounds goofy when he's saying it. um It's not working. He's-
1: these are the moments when you're embarrassed to be a wrestling fan uh-huh. when if this is on tv and like my wife walks in and sees it or my son if my son were to see this he'd be like dad this is stupid he's six you know like he would know that this is not cool but like aj styles is cool to him or like fan or bray wyatt is cool to my son but like this is not cool he can smell the bs from all the way it's just
0: bad He's, Heidenreich's like the top heel in your indie, local indie, that gets 50 people to come out to the Walmart parking lot. Like, he'd, he'd be he'd be cool doing that, he man. Be great. But on national television, it's it's embarrassing.
1: That is the most perfect <laughs> illustration, a <laughs> parallel of him I've ever heard. It's fantastic.
0: Well, uh, it's not over yet, because Heyman's going to hey. go meet with Teddy Long backstage, and Heyman is going to try to do right Road with Heidenreich. He asks Teddy Long for a favor, a match at Survivor Series with Heidenreich, go on one-on-one with The Undertaker, and Teddy Long jumps at that opportunity. Oh, one-on-one with The Undertaker. All right. Say no more. It's done. But uh, he says he's going to need a signed contract, and Heyman's like, oh, that's great. That's fine. I'll, I have power of attorney. I'll do it right now. I'll <laughs> sign the contract. And Teddy Long specifies that, no, no, no. I need the signature of The Undertaker, and I need you to go get it, and I need you to do it by next week, or else he's not going to get the match. So, they're setting up a big segment for next week with Heyman and Undertaker doing a contract signing, and boy, oh boy, is it going to be something. Uh, and, uh, yeah. One other note on this episode of SmackDown, it is the kickoff of the $1 million Tough Enough Challenge. And this was the edition of tough enough that took place on smackdown yeah. so no longer on mtv and it gave us the big daniel pewter kurt angle incident and some mm-hmm. other just uh i i would, i watched these tough enough segments as i was watching the smackdown because i had never really seen them because i didn't have cable back then so i'd only read about them and they were uh you know, they were like car crash. They were like kind of fascinating mm-hmm. to watch. But, mm-hmm. boy, they were long and drawn out and, and tough to watch on TV sometimes. But, uh, oh, yeah. You know, it did give us a lot been... of famous guys that would be uh, have a lot of history here going forward, yeah. surprisingly.
1: Oh, yeah. We got a, a very young Mike Mizanin, you know, future WrestleMania main eventer. Yeah. Uh, we got a, a Ryback, you know, Ryan Reeves, I believe, uh, Luke Gallows. Uh, which is what's his name i can't remember luke hankinson i think's his name we get the boogeyman we mentioned him earlier in the podcast and this is funny this is the part where he tells me he's 30 years old 30 years old 30 years old <laughs> and then they finally bring out his id and he's like he's 40 and he's like yeah i lied to you and he wants to get a contract anyway i know yeah daniel pewter who was you know looked like tito ortiz and was supposed to be this you know young stud and makes a mistake of shooting on Kurt Angle, I think next week or something. So, is what it is. But do, is this is this the one that was like eighteen minutes long, or is that the next? Uh, uh, they all the next week. They're all. I don't remember yeah.
0: which one is. They which. eat up a
1: lot of clock. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'm that's sure why
0: these segments with Undertaker are not very long on this sure. build-up.
1: Yeah, maybe so. So. What well, the less Heidenreich, the better. So I yeah. don't know, but it was neat to see Miz like such a baby. Like literally, his face looked like a baby's face. Like he was <laughs> so, so, young. so young, man. Just you see, I mean, he's not an old guy now. I mean, he's probably what mid mid late thirties. I mean, yeah. he's not too old, not too much older than my brother, probably or my brother's age. But um, it's just neat to see him back then because I, I know you and I are both big Miz fans. So it was cool to see how far he's come.
0: So. Yeah, not at this point in history, but no. no, no yeah. became a big fan of his. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, just kind of off the top of your head, as I was thinking about this, overall, looking back at Tough Enough, in in its totality, over all its iterations, would you say success or failure, overall?
1: Uh, failure. Okay. Because, um, well, I guess these... I guess three of these guys well four of those four of those five guys are the only ones that made it like really far, I guess. I mean Ryback had good a good run. Gallows has had several things. He's he's kinda in a good spot now. Miz has made a but other than that, man, who else I mean, John Hennigan didn't yeah, he you know, was, was fine, but he's done bigger and better things after, you know, the WWE. Um Shaniqua didn't do anything, you know. <laughs> Nidia was here. Um Maven had his cup of coffee when he came to take take her out of the thing and uh, Royal Rumble, but I don't know, man. What do you think?
0: You got uh, Mandy and Sonya on TV no, now. See, I don't yeah. even consider
1: that the same thing. No, yeah, it was tough. Enough. That one
0: was fun. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, my wife actually watched that that
1: season with me, so I enjoyed that one. It was more uh, more reality show ish, like I guess. So
0: you got Massive fun. Tool, Josh Matthews. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it's you know. It's it's borderline, like, because none of those really, you'd have to say Miz would be like the most He's successful the biggest, yeah. out of anybody tough enough related. Um, and I mean he was already a world reality champion, TV star, but yeah,
1: before that, so. yeah,
0: it's uh, it's interesting. It's given us some guys that ended up being fairly successful, but it really is probably more. More failures out of that than anything, so yeah, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, I think you almost have to call it a uh, a failure more than a success. But you know, it's it's always been interesting to see and to watch.
1: Yeah, I always enjoyed them. They were fun while they lasted. But like I said, especially 2011 one because it had Austin on it, dude. That was great. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, well. <clears throat> we're trying to find any excuse not to talk about Heidenreich <laughs> I Just, can't. I just, just thinking about it as we were talking about this. Stuff. Oh no, absolutely no, yeah. I appreciate it talking about it. So, well, the next week on SmackDown, this is October 28th. Um, we get Heidenreich on this flip phone backstage with Heyman, and you want to talk about poorly acted? Son of a gun! This is some. This is some. It's like every week he gets worse at It
0: really almost is.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: This one is just so fake, man. It's like ninth grade drama class acting, like on stage. Like he's basically long. The long and short of it, he's, he's begging Taker, excuse me, begging Heyman to get Taker inside the contract, you know. And he calls him Paul. You like, Paul. Make sure you get it, Paul. Uh, Paul. I really wanted this. I really want this match with Taker, Paul. Make sure you get. It. I guess Vince is, or whoever produced him said, make sure you call him Paul, and he did it like ad nauseum. It was ridiculous, but anyway. then I mean, later on. We're going to get this vignette uh, with Heyman in a dark room, just a table, contract on it. Paul Heyman's in there. Got a single light above him, and uh, we can hear footsteps come around there. And um, Heyman thanks, I guess, Taker at this point. It's quote-unquote Taker. We're not sure who's there. Thanks him. He thanks this man for um, for entering and, and meeting him there. and. Heyman says that, you know, this match at Survivor Series isn't my idea. It's, it's Heidenreichsen. Again, same thing he did with Dudley, he's just throwing him under the bus. About <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Even when he's their manager. But he says, you know, I, I know how angry you must, must be right now, you know, and uh, again, throws him under the bus, throws Heidenreichsen under the bus, saying, you know, he's the one that was responsible for the Bronco attack. It was his idea. And Heyman says, you know, you and I have had our pro- shared problems and differences in our past. Which an understatement to (laughs) say. Say lightly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you abducted his like father figure and tried to (laughs) bury him in concrete. (laughs) Plus all the Brock Lesnar stuff and the you know just uh, stuff with his wife and everything. It's just so much. But anyway, Heyman just brushes that away as a few problems and differences in their best, which is, it sounds like he's talking to the ECW locker room.
0: <laughs> yeah, that did. You,
1: know, like, you can insert yeah. that
0: in here.
1: Yeah. This is probably how he actually talked to them. Yeah, guys, I'm a few bounce checks, whatever. Like, it's fine. We're good. So, but anyway, he's like, you know, I hope that you will let bygones be bygones as I already have. You know, so Paul Heyman's got no hard feelings from taker. But anyway, he says, you know, I've already signed the contract on behalf of Heidenreich. And, uh, He takes it, and just like you do in any good movie, you know, you slide the contract across the table, you know, and we see Taker's hand reach out of the darkness and grab it, pulls it back, uh, signs it, and then pushes it back across the table. And then Heyman, like a coward that he is, uh, tells Taker, Thank you. And then we see Taker reach out and goozle Heyman, just grab him right by the throat. And we get this, at this point, we enter the creepy music in the background. So, um, and Taker says, let bygones be bygones. I gave you a pass for the Paul Bear situation, but don't think for one minute I won't take you out. <laughs> Why did he give him a pass? I'm going to let that one he slide. he pulled himself, I guess. Pulled yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll let that attempt to murder. My father figure gut slide. But anyway, but he says. Hey man, I want you to
2: bear witness. I want you to witness firsthand what happens to those souls who think they can look into the eye of the dragon.'" contract is not for a match. It's the execution of Heidenreich. You understand? Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and Taker's dude he's in like like when you really make your dad mad when you're like a middle school kid and your dad gets fired up like oh yeah he made me shake my boots watching this man just like Heyman was probably legit pooping his pants like it was super angry dad mode man and just and also (laughs) any way i can try to bring taker back to batman This kind of reminded me of that scene from dark knight between batman and joker When uh, Commissioner Gordon's talking a joke and then Batman surprises him from behind and they interrogate him, it wasn't quite as intense, obviously, or well acted, but (laughs) just you know, it was. You get the good guy and the bad guy there in the dark, and it was it was kind of neat, and I just I I liked it. It was very intense. It was well shot, but I just wish the hokey music wasn't there in the background. It kind of took away from for from me. But
0: I'd love to see Paul Heyman. In the Batman universe, as Penguin, maybe. Golly, Dude, he would be amazing. Dad,
1: yeah, he'd be fantastic. Well, Oswald Cobblepot. <laughs> Great. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, our first taker sighting in this whole build-up. So
0: there he is, man—the Dragon <laughs> himself, the, uh, the dad man walking. <laughs> <laughs> Holy
1: crap! That's a shirt. Dad, dad man, man walking. walking. You're gonna know. <laughs> Same lyrics apply. I know. You gotta make Your a big angry mistake. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You could write yeah. that one out.
1: Oh man, maybe I will.
0: <laughs> Folks, if you haven't checked out Take Her Easy <laughs> on YouTube, go to our YouTube page, check out Travis's incredible song on there. Go check out some of his other solo work and go pick up a shirt. We don't we may not have the Dad Man Walking Shirt yet, but we got King of Gong style, we got Take her care of business. We got Take Her Easy. I'm a biker taker guy. All those are up there at tpublic.com, So there's our plugs and commercials in here. Just a nice time to throw that out there.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: so we again try to avoid Heidenreich. And <laughs> two weeks left. Here we go. SmackDown, November 4th, 2004. Uh, this I could have watched all night. We got Don Marie and Miss Jackie in an arm wrestling competition. <laughs> you know, talk about. If WWE needs to look back as they're moving to the Fox Network, uh, what gets ratings right here? Here you go. <laughs> Arm wrestling.
2: Oh, and
0: they're, man. of course, fighting over Charlie Haas. Who wouldn't be fighting over him? As, and he comes out to try to break things up. And he's, I don't know when this happened, but he's on crutches. He's His knee is all yeah. messed up. And he's getting in the middle of them. And all of a sudden, Heidenright comes out. And gets in the middle of this. In his outfit. In his wrestling outfit again.
1: He's not wrestling. He's not scheduled to compete. Stop coming out
0: in your gear. Drives me crazy. Well, he's obviously very confused. Because as he comes out, he starts beating up Charlie Haas. He violently shoves Miss Jackie down to the ground. It is (laughs) creepy. Disturbing. And then Uh he... Keeps screaming at Charlie Haas, you're the Undertaker, you're the Undertaker. And Paul Heyman is yelling at him saying, he's not the Undertaker, he's not the Undertaker. <laughs> so apparently Heidenreich legitimately thinks that Charlie Haas is the Undertaker. And <laughs> this is years before Charlie Haas would even have that gimmick where he impersonated other wrestlers. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's so bizarre like again he's trying to make him like a Batman villain like psychotic and yeah. crazy and all these layers and he's hallucinating but he's just it's just weird and then Heidenreich continues to show his intelligence by going <coughs> after Charlie Hosh's injured knee and giving him a shoulder breaker <laughs> really laying it in on him <laughs> your phone is kind of weakened We've got a bullseye on their knee. You yep. give them a get breaker, him a shoulder breaker, buddy. Give old shoulder breaker. <laughs> That's right, baby. And, uh, shoulder breaker, baby. <laughs> uh, Heyman, he finally pulls Heidenreich away, saying, we're going to get fired over this. We're, we're going to get fired over this. And um, he puts the straitjacket on and gives it to Heidenreich, and Heidenreich's rubbing his face in the straitjacket and, Says that Undertaker will die at the hands of Heidenreich as he <laughs> yeah. walks up the ramp. Paul Heyman can't stop trying to murder people, man. <laughs> or he's a serial his killer.
1: Murder people, I yeah. know. He should be put in jail. Clearly, oh, man. Yeah. Oh man. Well, the only bright spot of that night I spent down. That's the night that Peter shoots on an angle, and luckily Jimmy Corderas had his uh, working boots on and called a <laughs> one, two, three, real quick. So, oh man, that's. Can you imagine if Peter would have broken Angle's arm in a Kimura? Like
0: he had, <laughs> that'd have been nuts, dude. What they did to those tough enough guys before they got in the ring that night was yeah. so insane, it's brutal. Oh man, you gotta go watch the first yeah. 15 minutes of this episode of SmackDown. <laughs> Just doing it was good stuff. Oh man, it's it's awful.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, this is going to bring us to the go-home show for Survivor Series. This is SmackDown 11-11, November 11th '04. 4. We see a recap mm-hmm. from that bodacious arm wrestling contest last week and Hyden Mike's involvement. And Cole and Taz are recalling this action, and we hear Paul Heyman like through our heads to, to the speakers, and then the camera shows him. He's at ringside, and he's getting in their faces and asking them what they're doing. And they, what are you guys doing? And Cole's like, we're just doing our job here. And Heyman gets very angry. Gets upset and um, Cole's defending himself and calling Hyden a lunatic, and Heyman winds up calling Cole a wannabe JR and winds up shoving him down. So this, of course, is going to bring Michael Cole's white and shi- excuse me, knight and shining armor, <laughs> Daz. Daz is going to stand up, kind of slowly remove his headset and remove his jacket, and mean it, showing that he means business. He knows the more you disrobe in wrestling, the more business you mean. So um and honestly the crowd's getting into it they're excited to see taz uh, because taz has probably heard that pep talk we heard last week let's just let Bikon's be back like he's heard that based on the ecw so maybe it's a big mark crowd that's wanting to see taz get get uh paul Heyman in the casa hajime or whatever this is called taz mission so anyway but um of course old johnny big john heidenreich has to blow it and ruin it by sliding in the ring and Taz has got his sunglasses off now. Crowd's just loving this, and Heidenreich again. is in the ring, and uh, suddenly the lights go out, and they come back up, and Undertaker appears, and he's in the ring, and um, finally, finally, yeah, it's
0: been five weeks. Five weeks, yeah,
1: <laughs> since he got hit and disappeared out of the the hearse, and he's basically just been growing his hair out for five weeks. It looks a little better here. It's longer, looking good, and. He and uh, uh, I and stand face to oh, face there.
0: The paid time and, uh, aftertaker. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it.
1: Yeah, that move that he does is like the downward spiral or the yeah. pay dirt called like – kind of like a STO should be called the PTO. <laughs> PTO. Hit with a paid time That's it. That's it. All right. From now on, That's listeners, the- we're going to refer to that as the PTO. <laughs> the paid
0: time Unbelievable, <laughs> man.
1: <laughs> so Greatest good. schedule in the world. Yeah, oh, yeah. So – I need you to go grow your hair out for five weeks. you want me on the show, boss? Nah, you're good. <laughs> we'll let we'll let Heidenreich carry the whole few bites. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> but Anyway, it is nice to finally get them face-to-face. Um, Taker's just staring a hole through Heidenreich, and uh, Heidenreich keeps mouthing off and kind of stepping to him. But um, they're actually about the same size. You can see how big Heidenreich actually is. So, um, Heyman pulls off Heidenreich and winds up holding him back. So... This is the guy who had to be put in a straitjacket for beating up fans <laughs> is now being held back by Oswald Cobblepot. Like, are you serious, man? Like
0: yeah.
1: it was so unbelievable that this one guy. They didn't send like the refs out like nowadays you'd have the whole referees and these fake security guards that are just Jabronis from the local indie show. Like you'd have them, but this was just just Paul Heyman just holding him back and he keeps yelling, Three days, three days, hiding Rap, three days All the while, Taker is just staring a hole through him, and um, that's it, man. And uh, Taker does look good. Uh, Hair's a little bit longer, and it was cool, though, to see um, it's very simple storytelling. We get these guys don't even touch, you know, they don't touch for six weeks. We get promos, and we get Heyman helping build it, and we get the little thing backstage. So I do like that. Once again, as we kind of reiterate this about Undertaker's feuds, he doesn't have to fight these guys over and over again and and mix tags against them or six man tags or trade wins back and forth. The first time they are going to fight is usually the first time you touch, you know, unless they have a small brawl, you know. So I do appreciate that part of this build.
0: Yeah, I'll be thankful for the little things that most yeah. of this build took place out of the ring and not in the ring because I think that <laughs> somehow might have been worse. And hmm. I will say, Travis, before we get to the pay per view, that things could have been worse. Things could have been worse because I was actually I was looking through. You know, we do our research on this podcast, and I did a little research on Heidenreich's Wikipedia page, just some basic research on his background, <laughs> I'm and I was sorry. Yeah, me too. I, I was fascinated to learn a few things on here that I thought we could talk about before we get to the pay-per-view here. Uh, for example, Heidenreich, he was a football player before he entered the World of Professional Wrestling. Kind of a... Uh, he faded out of the NFL. He never made it into the NFL. He made, went to some training camps for a couple of different teams uh, but was then was in the CFL, Arena Football League, all that sort of stuff before he got involved in wrestling. And I was shocked to learn this, Travis, that Heidenreich had been wrestling for three years before he made it to WWE. He is Good heavens. green as grass, man. <laughs> in- into that, like, I cannot believe he'd been trained and been working for three years. I I, I would have believed this was his first match. Ever. Oh
1: yeah, Alexa Bliss, Bliss was better in three years than this guy was. Baron Corbin was better in three years than this guy was.
0: <laughs> it is shocking to me. Um, uh, sadly, terrible. we do have uh, uh, we have to thank for his arrival onto the scene Bruce Pritchard, who saw him oh. and was just fascinated by him and signed him apparently. And when I said it could be worse, it's because he apparently impressed WWE by. Working in Japan in a tag team with none other than Nathan Jones.
2: Are you serious?
0: Heiden and Nathan Jones. Oh, man. That impressed the WWE Scouts. Dude, I Can didn't
1: you think imagine? you would get any worse.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, no, I cannot. That would be the worst tag team I've ever seen in my life. Seriously, I can't think of anything worse than that.
0: I mean, in what world did that impress somebody? What could that have looked like?
1: I don't know, man.
0: Brutal. Well, perhaps it could have gotten even worse than that because uh, some of our fans have probably heard this story, but uh, this is kind of famous here that apparently, before he came back with Heyman here, there was a WWE writer by the name of Dan Madigan who revealed in an interview that he had pitched to Vince Mann an idea about Heidenreich, a potential storyline. Uh, this was after he had been on Raw for a little while and went away. They were going to have Heidenreich return as a Nazi stormtrooper named Baron von Bava, who had been cryogenically frozen before being revived by, by Paul Heyman Complete with Heidenreich wearing a red armband with a swastika and goose-stepping to the ring.
1: No. No. <laughs> yes. No. No way.
0: This is a true story.
1: No way.
0: And apparently, according to Dan Madigan, the pitch was considered so shocking that Vince McMahon left the boardroom speechless and did not return for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part I've ever read.
1: Oh, my word. Dude, they would have had two and heels on SmackDown.
0: Exactly. It could have been a whole (laughs) faction. A whole army, if you will. Oh, my
1: word. Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. A whole Heidenreich, would you say?
0: Yeah. Just imagine. Like, this is a bad idea that's come out in public. Can you imagine some of the ideas that get tossed around in some of these creative meetings? Like.
1: Dude. I mean, that must be the
0: worst if it actually made Vince Man walk out of the room.
1: Right. That's got to be one of the worst things I've ever heard as far as creative pitches. That's terrible. Good heavens, man. All of that you just said was terrible. All, nothing you said was positive. Him tagging <laughs> with Nathan Jones, him a goose and swastika-wearing – is that his catchphrase? Like Ric Flair? The goose-stepping, the
0: goose-stepping swastika-wearing. <laughs>
1: Head of the Third Reich, Heidenreich, Little Johnny's dad. Little Johnny's daddy <laughs> taking the picture. Oh, man. Crazy.
0: Well, my God. Uh, I say all that, Travis, to say that it could be worse than what we're getting right now. This, some of this potential stuff, some near misses that we had on here. And uh, uh, one other thing I had to mention is uh, they've got a picture of it on Wikipedia and uh, you can find some grainy footage of it on YouTube, but apparently, after in WWE, Heidenreich got involved with Hulkamania tour, uh, Hulk Hogan's little indie tours he was doing in the late two thousands, and wrestled Brutus Beefcake on some of these tours. So you want to talk wow. about a match for the ages right there? Holy crap! Uh,
1: that has to be one of the worst matches of all time.
0: Like, you, you couldn't dream up a worse match than that. In the year 2009, Brutus Beefcake versus In
1: Iron That's like a bad dream, man. That's yeah. awful. Wow. Good heavens.
0: That should give you some That's... perspective for what we're talking about here. It, it, yeah. it could get worse.
1: Whew. This guy's going to go on to become a tag team champion, isn't he, with uh, Animal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? They're not done
1: with him yet. No, he's going to be LOD 2005 or whatever they're called. Shoot. This guy, why did he have a chance in WWE? This would have been uh, 2005. He's... so No, 2004. So, Meanwhile, the indies are burning up with uh, a little young guy named Daniel, or Brian Danielson, <laughs> Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, right. Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian... A uh, little guy by the name of CM Punk, <laughs> Colt Cabana, all these guys from the Indies are in TNA at this point, and yet this pile of dung oh is God. on our screen.
0: <laughs> Cryogenically frozen Nazi man. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that inspired you write that song? Uh, maybe. <laughs> they're obviously they're, they're trying to do the next Brock Lesnar. We talked about this, and he, yeah, he looks like a poor man's Brock Lesnar with his bleach blonde hair and. You know, he's got a look, but it's just, it's, (laughs) he just never gets it, man. Good
1: heavens, man. We know what else, something I never got was this pay-per-view. I never saw it, I don't think. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Survivor Series 04, man. From the uh, Gund Arena, this is our, excuse me, November 14th from the Gund Arena in Cleveland, which we've talked about the Gund Arena quite a bit here. That was where the uh, purchase of WCW went down. That was where the Invasion pay-per-view went, or no. That was where, yeah, Invasion Pay Per View went down. So, a lot, a lot of cool stuff happened there. The first oh, yeah. No Mercy with the uh, tag team, uh, no, second No Mercy with tag team ladder match was in the Gund Arena. A lot of cool stuff happened there, and then unfortunately, Survivor Series 04 <laughs> happened there.
0: It was a hot spot, if you will. And <laughs> you know, I do. I uh, will say, it's got a great poster. Uh, I love the poster with kind of like, yeah, almost anime style uh, graphics yeah. on there. It's pretty neat and. This is the 18th Survivor Series, and mm-hmm. they do a, a pretty cool video package opening the show here, going through the history of Survivor Series. we got the debut of the Dead Man featured prom- yeah. prominently in there, so I do appreciate that. Well, apparently
1: the first Survivor Series was in Ohio as well, Yeah, so that right was yeah.
0: neat. Tying that in.
1: So, pretty cool.
0: And, you know, we get an all-time classic Survivor Series segment here as we get the first-ever mm. meeting... Between Heidenreich and Snitsky on this pay per view.
1: <laughs> he grabbed. I saw this, dude, and I was just blown away. All that stuff you just read us from Wikipedia, I thought that was going to be the bottom of the barrel, but this is it, dude. Dude, these two, you know Vince is over in the corner, like, yes. Then he sees these two man meat specimens out there, just, dude.
0: Just, He's just seeing dollar signs.
1: Yeah, he sees money. If this were 1988, it'd be money, but it's not. It's 2004, man. This stuff has no place. (laughs) Like, it's awful. These two guys both are terrible. Like, Snitsky was the. uh, He's the Raw Heidenreich. He is. There's two of them. There's (laughs) one on Raw and one (laughs) on SmackDown.
0: Parallel universe, Uh man. Gene (laughs) Snitsky, one of the worst wrestling names you'll ever (laughs) hear. Just to recap, he was over on Raw, uh, the man who gave Lita a miscarriage mm. and then punted a baby doll into the audience, <laughs> and that was his gimmick. That's how he was supposed to get over, like, uh,
1: Later on, he'd go on to smell feet and, like, have a foot fetish and have uh, yellow teeth and stuff. Remember that? Yes, yellow teeth of something? course I do. And then he just shaved his head bald at one point and looked even uglier than Sin, <sighs> and, uh... He looked like one of the bad villains in the Shazam movie that just came out recently. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Oh, man. It's like well, a gargoyle.
0: They meet each other backstage because uh, this is a co branded pay per view. And Heyman is uh, giving Heidi a pep talk and goes to get his straitjacket. And Snitsky comes in and they just have a grunt off, man. Just start grunting in each other's faces and standing nose to nose. And. Snitsky tells Heidenreich, I like your poetry. And then <laughs> Heidenreich tells Snitsky, I like what you do to babies. And then they start making out. Oh, no, never mind. That's,
1: it seemed like what was about to happen. I know. Their noses literally touch.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, i play for Keeps. What's that movie? Is that Ricky Bobby? And, <laughs> and they
0: rub noses. i play
1: for Keeps. Yeah, it's uh, it's awful, dude. And then they tell each other, see you later.
0: Oh, yeah, they are going to see each other later, though. (laughs) It's so much.
1: It's too much. I can't
0: tell if this was supposed to be a joke. Like, the writers were in on it that these guys were terrible. Or if they were supposed to be getting us hyped for, like, a tag team run (laughs) with these guys. Or, like, a main event at WrestleMania between these two. Like, it was... Like, last
1: year's Survivor Series was... uh,
0: Lesnar and Goldberg. Yeah. I can't tell. Oh
1: no! I'd like to think that they were in on it, and they're like these—like we're right at this scene, and Vince it flew across Vince's head. Like he didn't know it went <laughs> over his head. <laughs> I hope so. Oh man, it's—it happened. Yep, <laughs> that happened. Well, going on, we got a re- video recap before the match of all the goings on recently, and you know, Heidenreich's Reich's off the rails persona. I guess that's what he has, and right. you know, all the build up and the interaction and stuff, and then. Again, and I say I guess because you know he's going to come out here again. We got Colin Tasman commentary, and we're going to hear the theme song. You know the the Ramstein uh, rip off of Heidenreich, and Reich, um, he does come out in his jacket and a little bit of continuity. And I just wrote here and I mentioned a little bit earlier, just like you know, it wouldn't be that bad a gimmick. Like we said, you know, like, they've gone full blast with it, and this whole psychotic thing. And he's kind of he's kind of sane, but then he kind of goes insane, and things make a snap and and I want to just parallel that to a guy who's on TV in the current current era, and his name is Bray Wyatt. And he's mm-hmm. got the Firefly Funhouse, and he's got The Fiend. And recently at SummerSlam, they just debuted The Fiend, and it was fantastic, phenomenal. And one thing I was talking to you off-air about was that the only thing I didn't like in the match with Finn was that he sold a little bit. But he sold, and also he kind of cowered in the corner, and you could see him going through like a... a a crisis in his mind he had his little heel and hurt hands up on his head and he was like what do i do like but it was nuanced he's been building this up he's had these backstage segments he's got charisma out the butt like i'd like this not he's got so much charisma and that's a guy who can pull this kind of character off Yeah. and he's not in his stupid mma gear every time you see him He's in an intimidating thing. He came out with a severed head of his old gimmick, like with his eyes sewn shut. Like that is awesome. That scares kids in the crowd. That's intensity. Not this dummy on my screen and John right I mean, it's just and he's oh it's just and he's just in a stupid wrestling gear under the Exactly. Oh.
0: Yeah, Sorry, man. I'm I mean done. that's a I perfect parallel, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it shows you what this could be, that it yeah. is possible to pull this sort of stuff off. Yes. And that it just parallels with what a, you know, it's nothing personal against Heiden, right? No. Not a personal not shot, but it's just, <laughs> you know, that's snisky. It's not that's his fault. <laughs> 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 it's We're just not, not bad, We're going to of these guys
1: bro. in the next year, too. A little Mike Knox is going to come our oh way. Oh, my God. He's another stop. one just type Vincent Man guy.
0: <laughs> I can't take it. Well, Heidenwright comes out, Undertaker comes out as well, he gets a fantastic entrance, dude. It really yeah. really goes well with they got these giant video screens with lightning coming out, out of them and the smoke It just particularly cool looking entrance, I thought, on this night. Yeah. Just uh, so even do a shot of one dude in the crowd with his lighter up in the air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appreciated that. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a nice fan sign in the crowd. Uh, sort of like I think somebody had one for JBL last month with the tomb mm-hmm. headstone with his uh, birth date and death date on there. Survivor Series, I guess. Maybe it's the same guy. Who knows?
1: Could be. Could be the same guy. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, yeah. It's um, Cole tells, and as Taker's coming out, he's you know he's staring down. Heidenreich like he does, and Cole tells us that earlier on Heat, that Heyman said that he pulled Heidenreich off on SmackDown because that fight would have been on Taker's blood. Whatever that means. I don't know Whatever that means. means. But anyway, uh, they try to, I guess, make some sense out of it. So Mm -hmm. anyway, well, the bell's going to ring here, and they approach the middle of the ring and have a staring contest, kind of like they ended SmackDown with last week. Basically, the match starts how last week ended. So.
0: Very long stare down. Um, some light Undertaker chants during it, but crowd's not really into it. Undertaker's not really into it. He's not really <laughs> impressed with Heidenreich. <laughs> he blocks the right hand from him and starts throwing his own hands and then does maybe the best ref intimidation <laughs> yes. we've seen in 105 <laughs> episodes. as He just looks at Brian Habner. Brian Habner runs and jumps <laughs> Uh seventy five percent across the <laughs> ring and out of the <laughs> ring. Like it is it's incredible. Awesome. Man. He jumps so far
1: away. <laughs> I loved it. It was the best. The best rep intimidation. So if there's any reason to watch this match, watch the first eleven seconds when Brian Heather jumps out of the ring oh, and turn man. it off. So <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's great, man. And then somehow after this, Heidenreich's gonna get the upper hand and start punching uh, Taker. This is kind of like uh, when you, you first you play a wrestling video game against somebody who's not really good at it, and they just <laughs> smash buttons and push, punch, punch, <laughs> punch, kick, kick. They don't know how to grapple or, like, oh, Irish whip or anything. They just know yes. how to push B and A and punch a kick. Yes. That's what like this is like here. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so he gets upper hand, but then Taker gives him a big boot and hits some really quick elbows on the, on the ground, and then... Of course, in fear-taker fashion, he goes for the pinfall, gets a two-count right at the beginning, so got to appreciate that. You're trying to get that win. you probably, like, for a shoot, like, stay down. Stay Please.
0: Down. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Taker does what he does. He works over the arm, sends Heidenreich into the corner. He's going to go for old school here, and Heyman is going to earn his paycheck and distract the ref, and that allows Heidenreich to get a Death Valley shot. Uh, Heyman keeps distracting the ref here and allows Heyman to – uh, crotch Undertaker on the ring post, uh, jam it in there. And it's going to be kind of Heinrich's gimmick here tonight. He's going to work over the <laughs> groin of <laughs> Undertaker in very Michael Cole-like fashion, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they're on the outside at this point brawling in front of some huge Deadman fans.
0: Right oh, there. Yeah, 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 shirts, man. oh, yeah, dude. Undertaker shirts,
1: man. They're
0: front row for Deadman
1: Oh, yeah, they love it. So they came for this match, so bless their hearts. So, But uh, Heidenreich's punched on him. He's like, Taker, I can beat you. I can beat you. And then in in the most genius thing I've seen Heidenreich do, and that's not saying very much because the bar set real low, but he actually rolls in the ring, rolls back out to break the ref's count. He doesn't want to win by count. He wants to actually beat the Undertaker.
0: There you know, you so go.
1: I'd, I'm trying to find something good here. but Good for um, you. Yeah, more punching, more kicking. Taker reverses it, nails Heidenreich's head on the stairs, and then they move to the apron, and we know what's coming next.
0: Oh, yeah, the uh, now classic at this point, apron offense, uh, elbows on Heidenreich, (laughs) leg drop on him on the apron. It it always looks cool. It always works. Yeah. It's impressive.
1: Oh, (laughs) Ohio loves it, man. They blow up for these spots right here on the apron. They love it. They
0: do. And uh, Taker (laughs) stays in control. It does finally hit the old school, and Paul Heyman is starting to just look distraught on the outside, and then Undertaker hits what's now known as the PTO <laughs> for a two count.
1: Oh, I love the PTO. I
0: love it, man.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's, oh man, PTO for a two count right there. I love it, man. And uh, <laughs> at this point, Taz calls Heidenreich a tough, tough hombre. So, mm, yeah,
0: I think you can confuse indeed. him with
1: Eddie Guerrero. But, <laughs> yeah. This guy's a pretty tough hombre, so anyway, um Taker goes to boot Rock in the corner, but of course, Heidenreich ducks, and Taker crosses himself on top rope again. So again, really working that crossover.
0: He is <laughs> which dude. we
1: know is Heidenreich's special. That's, it. That's where he
0: likes to go. <laughs> Michael Cole uh, in attest. test.
1: <laughs> oh
0: Heidenreich uh, ends up shooting Undertaker off the apron into the guardrail and they're just kind of repeating what we just saw earlier. Yeah. It starts throwing hands on him on the guardrail. I legit
1: a... thought that I rewinded on that. Uh,
0: <laughs> I really did. Man, this match is 10 minutes too long, and it's like 13 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Heidenreich gets Undertaker back in the ring and locks in a rear chin lock, and Undertaker uh, fights back up to his feet, Heidenreich hits a clothesline to take back over, and it's just dragging already at this point, man. It's mm-hmm. it's longer than it needs to be. Heidenreich is he's got nothing, man. He's 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 got nothing in the ring. He doesn't have a lot of offense. It's just the crowd's not into it. It's dead. It's too long. He doesn't yeah. need to be in there this long.
1: No, it's it's way too long. He hits another explosive clothesline, I guess, off the off the ropes and hits some elbows in the mat, and then he goes for finally his first like wrestling move, goes for a vertical suplex, but Taker reverses it. And when, he, when Taker hits it, he like nods like, yeah, like, I did it. Like, I loved it. And then we got more slugging in the middle of the ring. It's the yay-boo spots that we have nowadays, but there's no reaction. They're not like,
0: yay-boo,
1: yay. They're just like, okay, let's get this over with. So, um, yeah, that's – and then Taker's going to throw – excuse me, hide those Taker out to the apron, and but then Taker's going to surprise him with another, some more classic apron offense with that apron stunner. So, always a good one.
0: Always good to see that, and a crowd kind of pops for that, actually. And Taker does something unexpected. He goes up to the top and takes a page of his brother's mm-hmm. playbook and hits a big diving clothesline off the top rope for two. So nice to see something kind of different out of Undertaker there.
1: Yeah, maybe from JBL. He did it twice to him in two matches, and he That's won true. both times. Yeah. <laughs> Always kidding, learning,
0: yeah. studying the greats.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very Kane-like, man. It was... Cool and it, it popped the crowd a little bit, but a little not bit. too much. So anyway, we then we're gonna get the stinger splash, corner splashes and snake eyes, big boot, leg drop, two count, you know, the the five moves of doom right yeah. there, you know. Yeah. So take a signal for the choke slam and goozle hide and raikou, then knees out of it, unfortunately. And Taker's going to run off the ropes and Heidenberg's going to hit that boss man slam or the black hole slam, whatever, and get a two count, which I, it drove me crazy because the commentators didn't even mention that he actually finished Shannon Moore with it like two weeks before. Like I wish they would have, that was his finisher that night. And now they hit it and Taker kicks out. It should have been a bigger deal than it was. Like, I don't know. They just really undersold it. It really, I don't know, got my crawl.
0: (laughs) I agree, man. That's kind of a problem with this match. Like. Either either Heidenreich should have just won and crushed Undertaker, or Undertaker should have just squashed him, like yeah. not, not having all these kickouts and, and kicking out of finishers. And I don't I don't understand the thought process with this match. But no. uh, Heidenreich can't believe Undertaker kicked out. He starts throwing hands in the corner and uh, makes a mistake. Man, he hadn't been studying the tape because he goes up for mm. those ten punches on the top rope in the corner and. Taker does what he did many times during the Biker-Taker era and hits the last ride out of the corner, and that gets the first real reaction out of the crowd in this match. They pop for that big time. It's a great spot. But it's only going to get two as Heidenreich grabs the bottom rope. Yeah,
1: he grabs the bottom rope and a bit of uh, smart psychology, heel psychology, he grabs it and breaks the count. So that's good, I guess, for him, but bad for us because it means the match keeps going. It so- keeps going. Oh, man. Well, then um, Heidenreich gets another sleeper, and Taker reverses that into a back suplex, and they're both down. The ref gets to a nine count, believe it or not, and Taker gets up, and the ref stops. Run and dive and close on by Taker, and then he hits a choke slam. Instead of pinning him, he's going to do the throat slash as Heidenreich is struggling to get up, and uh, that's going to lead us right in here to the, the finish.
0: Tombstone City right here, as yeah. Taz calls it. We get the yeah. classic pin. Undertaker crosses the arms, gets the win here at about 16 minutes. Again, easily 10 to 12 minutes too long here, man. It was yeah. no business with Heidenreich being out there for that long. He just mm-hmm. he didn't have it, man. It was like like you said at the top, like a lot of punches and kicks, yeah. a lot of, first time playing a video game wrestling right here <laughs> and poor undertaker he's got to sell this here uh, he gives like the most ridiculous facial expressions as like i oh, know eyes bugging out of his head oh my i can't believe what a fight that was and i was just my eyes were bugging out of my head like exactly. give me a break man like we i don't heart. buy it dude it sucks <laughs> it sucks he's
1: he's trying though to get this guy over you know i understand the story part of it but in real life i'm just like man just flush him down the toilet let's move on <laughs> like to the next guy so but uh you can tell that this feud isn't going to end here because as taker you know he he exits and pulls the straps down but he's kind of looking back and eyeing hiding like in your ring like you said the eyes popped out of his head kind of like booker t you know like whoa i can't believe i just happened and Unfortunately, you can just tell this is not the end like it's just yeah sucks
0: it, it does and it's it's weird that it's not the end because Undertaker
1: definitively beat him
0: <laughs> definitively beat him clean yeah and if you're gonna keep this going with Heinrich I mean Heinrich's momentum is done at this point right you know, like you gave him a big push here these past few weeks but he doesn't win there's not it's not like a disputed finish it's not a DQ no count right. out there's no reason to get excited for another match, but they're going to mm. run it back here in a few months in a gimmick match. So it's just bizarre. Like, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad Heidenreich does not hold a win over Undertaker, but right. it's just confusing as to what they're building towards.
1: Yeah, it was, man. It's confusing. And like I said, Heidenreich is super green and bless his heart. He needs to go back to OBW or something to hone his craft. I don't know. Or just have somebody just mega produce him or something I, I don't know man it's just it's not it's not his fault they're putting this stuff on tv no. they could just it's, taped they could cut it all off <laughs> they want to but anyway it sucks i do not recommend this match at all like i said i recommend the brian hebner jump out of the ring and then just cut it <laughs> off so
0: yeah i completely agree with you on this one uh we enjoyed jbl's matches with taker more than we thought but this side yeah. match is a stinker Definitely no reason to go back and watch this, and honestly, some of the build, I mean, you don't really need to watch any of that either. Just completely fast forward through October, November 2004, and uh, <laughs> join us back here next time as we uh, keep on rolling, rolling, rolling onto the last ride of The Undertaker, and Travis, you know, I think we need a palate cleanser before we get uh, finish out 2004. We got one more 2004 match to finish uh, the year off, but... Hey. God, it's been so rough, dude. I think we need to throw it back and remind ourselves of the glory days, of the times when we really loved The Undertaker. So next week on the show, we're going to take a break from 2004, from this onward progression through the career of The Undertaker, and we're going to do a throwback episode, a little bonus show, if you will, and fill in the gaps of one of the episodes that we have missed back in the day. When we started this podcast, we Originally, we decided not to cover the first few Royal Rumbles of Taker's career because we didn't really know how to do it or if it would make sense to cover them, but now that we've gone through it and we've done some watch-alongs, we we want to fill in those gaps eventually of the 91, 92, 93 Royal Rumbles, so we're going to kick it off with the first ever Rumble appearance of The Undertaker, a throwback yep. episode. These are all throwback episodes, but... A way, way throwback to the 1991 Royal Rumble, very, very special watch-along edition of the podcast. And uh, full disclosure, we've already taped it. I'm actually (laughs) going to be on vacation next week, and uh, my wife might kill me if I try to podcast and watch Undertaker matches while we're on our vacation. (laughs) So Travis was gracious enough to uh, double up with me and and uh, already record this one, and uh, it was a fun episode. It's fun. It was get cool. Your uh, out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's cool to go back to the glory days uh, of wrestling. Uh, before, we were even really even wrestling fans uh, yeah. back in this day. But uh, it was a fun one to re-watch. Undertaker has a pretty strong, impressive showing in there. Uh, and we'll cover that as well as just, you know, get a chance to riff on some guys that we've really never even talked about on this <laughs> show before and never will again. But... Uh, We hope you'll tune in for that one. Uh, It will be a watch-along, but you can enjoy it even if you're not watching along. And then in two weeks, we'll close out 2004 with Armageddon 2004 and another pretty unique match, a fatal four-way with Undertaker, JBL, Booker T, and the only appearance on this podcast by the late, great Eddie Guerrero. Yeah,
1: I've never seen that one at all, so I'm excited to cover that and cover the buildup because, again, after this and Rake, I need a palate cleanser for next week, and then I need a double palate cleanser with Eddie Guerrero (laughs) in my life, you know. So looking forward to covering that one. So, Thank you guys for joining us along this ride. Uh, Too bad this wasn't the last ride for and (laughs) Rake. We'll get there eventually, but um, if you were there in the Gundarena Arena, for if you've been there for all this cool stuff that's happened there in WWE history, WWF history, let us know. Again, we hadn't heard anybody's been the show for in a while, have we?
0: We have not. Huh? Uh, we, we did get a few Twitter comments from our oh, yeah. social media. So at Talking Taker on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, we got some great communities on there. If you're not following us on all of those, then you're missing out on content because we post different stuff on all of those pages all throughout the week uh, getting you ready for our main events here on the show and then some fun hidden gems. I uh, posted some WWE Magazine stuff some throwback stuff this past weekend and lots of stuff during this build up time. Uh, so For you to, guys to go pick out and watch over there some of our favorite stuff during this build ups so definitely give us a follow. Uh, at Downturn the, the Downturn Podcast said about this match I think I skipped this one. Not even got any recollection of this event. LOL. Mike <laughs> in my opinion, could have been the best ever if he was just dot 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 completely different. Uh, which is <laughs> yeah. about right. And then uh, Randy Turco, man, just reiterates that and says, They say memories are tied to emotion. The stronger the emotion, the more vivid the memory. And this explains why I remember every tidbit about Taker in, say, 1991. There you go or 1997 than I do for most of 2004 uh, absolutely my friend well put Randy and then uh, I'll just encourage you guys uh, I posted this funny picture of JBL and The Undertaker this backstage shot of them uh, it's hard to explain it but uh, it's on our Twitter page go check that out and ask for you guys to uh do a, a caption for it. Yeah, we got a lot of great comments on there. It won't be funny if I read them off on here, but right. if you just go look at the thread, you guys really came through uh, with some funny comments on there, so go check that out on our Twitter page. I encourage you to do that. And then if you could, uh, we plugged our t-shirts at tpublic.com, we plugged Travis's music, we plugged the Take Your Easy song, so go check out all that. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. We've got uh Right at nineteen hundred Twitter followers right now. We wanna get over two thousand and continue building this community of creatures of the night as we explore the dead man's career.
1: Oh, well, absolutely, man. Thank you guys for all the interactions and all the shout outs and like I said, just we love your feedback, man. We love it, love it, love it, love it. We wouldn't do this uh we wouldn't have as much fun doing this if we didn't get the feedback from the fans. So we love it. Tell us what your guys' favorite uh Snitsky and uh <laughs> Heidenreich interaction is. I couldn't do say it with a straight face. I tried, but uh, anyway, tell us about this match if you liked it, if you dig it, if not, uh, hold on till next week because we're gonna have a fun one to dig back into the archives and uh, just go back there and watch a have a fun little watch along there. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, other than that, take her easy. No, no,
2: I wanna know who is the man? Titan Wright. Whose world is this? Titan Wright. Who stands in your way? The Undertaker. Who goes? Tonight, the Undertaker. Though. Keep that in mind. I'm gonna get your jacket. I'll be right back. I'm back with my jacket. I'm Right. I like your poetry.